Greetings friends, this is Will Nicholas, your Odd Rev, and this is the Deep Faith Nine podcast. G'day friends, it's wonderful to have you here again with us on the Deep Faith Nine podcast and uh, it was wonderful to have you with us last week with Niall Mackay. This week we're going to be looking at the next episode in the series which is called Babel and we'll be joined by Lindsay Cullen. Looking forward to that but before we bring Lindsay on, uh, let's uh, do a synopsis of the episode. Okay, so we're going to be talking about the episode Babel, um, in which uh, the crew and civilian population of Deep Space Nine begin to speak in gibberish when the plague uh, of aphasia virus engineered by the Bajorans as a weapon against the Cardassians is accidentally released into the station's atmosphere. And I'm joined by Lindsay Cullen, as I mentioned before. Lindsay, uh, welcome to the podcast. Flame the dark true salt way, link complete strike. Limits, victory, frosted wake, simple hesitation. Oh, wow. It sounds like you may have contracted the aphasia virus yourself, Lindsay. Well, I have to say, Will, that was the, what uh, O'Brien wrote down on his pad in the episode, and I just thought it was such a, a poetic way of saying nothing that uh, it was worth noting down, and I've written it down in my uh, in my uh, iPad so I can bring it out whenever I need to. Absolutely. Just when you can't think of anything else to say, you can uh, you can bring that out. Um, so I'm going to start out just by, uh, I guess, introducing you with a couple of uh, icebreaker questions. Um, Lindsay, when did you first start watching Deep Space Nine? Uh, look, I guess it would be when it first came on, Will. Um, I was a um, very early uh, adopter of uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. In fact, uh, my wife Suzanne and myself, we used to uh, watch that uh, from episode to episode. And uh, if we ever got behind, we'd rush out and um, get the, the latest ones from the video store. And so then when uh, other series gradually started to come on, first Deep Space Nine and then Voyager, we uh, watched through those as well, uh, pretty much as they came out. Uh, no, no streaming off Netflix back in those days. No, no, the internet was but a gleam in Bill Gates' eye or something. That's right. All right, um, and um, do you have a favourite character or episode of Deep Space Nine? Um, I don't know why, but I, I've always been sort of partial to uh, Dr Bashir. There's, I don't know, something about his sort of naivete that, uh, that, that grabbed me. I, I liked him, and maybe I like to think of myself as the sort of you know, slightly intellectual, but also quite swashbuckling type. My so, wife is probably laughing right now. So far, we haven't uh, come across um, the best that Dr. Bashir has to offer. Um, and uh, yeah, he's uh, he's definitely showing that naivety, in, especially in the face of the wild frontier. Yes, that's right. I mean, in this particular episode, you know, I think he comes across okay. He, he clearly understands right from the start what, what's going on and uh, is committed to solving it. Unfortunately, he's struck down by the same virus before he uh, gets there. But 
it's quite clear that his notes are the uh, stepping stone that um, is needed to actually solve the problem. Yeah, and we are in his field this this episode. So as the doctor on board, it's it's really his uh, his bread and butter to help to find a solution to this mystery. It is interesting um, that in this episode, Babel, um, where they do have this aphasia virus where they start speaking gibberish, they don't just speak the gibberish, they actually also write the gibberish. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Um, it, it led me to really thinking through uh, the whole question of to what extent does their communication break down and... and at the start of the episode, the sort of assumption is that they have no way of communicating. But I couldn't help notice about halfway through the episode that uh, there's a, a, a point where Jake wants to get some uh, attention because O'Brien's gone into this bad fever. And, and Jake is able to get someone's attention and draw them over just by using physical gestures. What is it, Jake? What? Communication doesn't break down entirely in the episode. Um, and we're going to have a really good conversation about it, and hopefully our communication is clear today as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's a fascinating mystery, isn't it? This idea that uh, communication can break down and uh, how do you actually, particularly in a multiracial setting, get on if you've lost the ability to communicate with one another? Absolutely. So the virus is called an aphasia virus. Um, as an interesting side note, um, the um, the church that I am I'm currently at is called is in Aphrasia Street, which is actually a, a similar kind of condition where a person can only speak in a single phrase or word, uh, such as "I am Groot" uh, or "Hodor." <laughs> um, so. Oh. I, I can't say I've ever heard of aphrasia, but it sounds interesting. Yeah, then I, I'm, I'm, I've been doing some research to try and find out why it got the name that it did, because it's a bit of a strange name for a street. But uh, aphasia mm. is actually a real condition, um, which actually uh, causes people to be unable to um, put, put words together. Um, and in this case, as we mentioned before, it affects their ability to write and read as well, um, which is quite interesting. It is interesting, and, and I guess, as I was saying, it makes you think, is that disconnect in the brain actually disconnecting their ideas, or is it just the labels they put on their ideas? And I think it's actually probably the second. They're still able to think through things and to to connect one uh, you know item with another in their own imaginations. They just can't communicate that to other people. That makes sense too, because in that scene you mentioned before with Jake, when uh, he was trying to get the attention of the doctor, he repeats himself and repeats the phrases um, um, uh, identically when he's actually frustratingly trying to get uh, her attention. Um, so clearly what he's saying makes sense to him. Yes, yes, you're right. And I, I noticed when O'Brien wrote down that wonderful phrase that I gave to you at the start, that then in the verbal conversation, uh, he repeats some of those same phrases again and again. So, yes, there must be some logic within the person's mind. And it, it made me think, actually, uh, I, I hate to move outside the uh, Deep Space Nine ambit, but it, it reminded me of the Next Generation episode, Darmok. Darmok and Gillard. You want to fight with me? 
Is that it? Challenge? Darmok and Jalad. I don't know who or what Darmok or Jalad are, but I certainly didn't come here to start a war. Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. And I love those different views of, of how communication happens. And in that case, uh, a whole different worldview in terms of what communication means and how you do it. Absolutely. And so in that particular episode um, of um, Next Generation, they discovered that the way to communicate was to engage in the storytelling or parable of the culture, uh, and that provided the context. So that was actually, that, it's, it's, it fits with this very well, because in this case, they've all got their own parable or context, and it's completely isolated and separated from everyone else's context. Yes, and it's also, I think, quite an abstract sort of uh, sense of what they're trying to communicate. They're not telling stories. They're actually wanting to communicate very abstract concepts about the spread of a, a virus and how that virus may have uh, occurred and so forth. Uh, I, I guess um, inevitably, given the uh, title of this particular episode, Babel, it, it made me think of the uh, Old Testament story of the Tower of Babel. I was just thinking the same thing. Um, you could imagine that at that point, whilst they were building that tower, they were, if they were all suddenly struck with a form of um, aphasia, um, and then were over the weeks, years, whatever, because that particular um, construct didn't cause anybody to um, lose health. It just caused them to lose communication in that space. So that biblical story um, of uh, the Tower of Babel actually has a lot of crossover with this particular episode. Yeah, it does. And I was just thinking, I'd never really thought about this before, but I was thinking that um, in a similar way to this story on DS9, that the breakdown in communication given in this story, that they could no longer understand one another's languages, wouldn't have caused an absolute breakdown in communication. They could still have indicated, you know, hand me that brick and um, go and get that thing and so forth. Uh, it's interesting to think why was it that in the story that breakdown of communication uh, meant that they were totally unable to get on. I, I think there's more going on there in the story than just the physical thing of, oh, we can't understand one another's languages. There certainly is um, um, a, a very strong connection between language and culture. So um, it could also be referencing this establishment of different cultural groupings. Um, yes. As well as, you know, ability to communicate, also ability to be in community with one another. Yep, yep. And actually, that's a, a really interesting lead-in, Will, to... One of the things that uh, I note when I read the Babel story, which we find in uh, Genesis chapter 11, is that actually before the Babel story, you have uh, what's sometimes called the Table of Nations in chapter 10, okay. where before the Babel story, it actually gives this listing of all the different uh, um, generations, uh, the descendants of different uh, of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, basically, uh, and the tribes that they come from. And each description finishes by talking about in their own tribes and nations and languages. Uh, so it's fascinating that actually the, the biblical account 
talks about them breaking up into their different tribes and languages before it comes to Babel. And in fact, if you look at it in context, chapter 10 is kind of the capstone of the whole uh, flood story and is in, in a way saying, although in the story it got back down to that tiny little family, from there they then were able to spread and to have many descendants and to spread out and have many different cultures and languages and tribes and that's seen as a, a positive thing yeah yeah okay so there's a real um theme in here about the idea of unity and diversity coming together that that um um that this this theme of language and culture actually causes us the ability to be diverse um, it can cause disunity, but can also actually be the reason why we come together to the same table. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, that that diversity can be a real gift, uh, provided that we have the ways to enable the diverse people to connect and to um, be at the same table and and be sharing uh, the the same story or sharing their different stories with one another in positive ways. One of the things that I did note with the Babel story from Deep Space Nine was that um, the moment um, they found it difficult to communicate with each other, they found themselves listening and concentrating on what each other was saying more intently. Um, and whilst there was some frustration about not being able to communicate, their their level of, of focus on what was being said actually increased rather than than decreased and and I found that myself when I've been working in multilingual communities that I actually have to work harder to understand what people are saying when um, I'm when I'm co coming from a different language or cultural grouping. Mm, mm, that's interesting. So that that diversity actually gives us the gift of being a trigger to listen more deeply and carefully to people and and perhaps to enter into what they're saying on a deeper level. And we also have to, I guess, take note of more than just what's being verbally spoken, but also look at things like body language and nonverbal clues about where people are coming from and what they're thinking about. Sure, because, of course, they've said for a long time that, you know, most of communication actually comes through those nonverbal cues and, and so forth, which is interesting in the age of the internet, isn't it, and um, social media and so forth. You wonder how much we're not getting when we read someone's comment on a Facebook post or whatever. Yeah, that's right. So sometimes that whole trolling and flaming thing can actually be a form of aphasia where we've actually not understood what somebody is saying or we think we've understood it in a way that takes us in a different direction. Right, right. So if we actually were to learn from uh, the DS9 episode, we'd, we'd need to actually... Uh, be more committed to understanding and, and trying to get behind what someone might be saying and, and if we're not sure to actually check with them. Absolutely. Um, and look, one of the things that, that happens when that happens for me is when I'm playing a new board game, um, I read the rules very carefully and I make sure that I take note of every may or must. Um, and uh, the words, each word becomes so vitally important because that, that can actually take the interpretation of the rules in a different direction. Yeah, yeah. Of course, sometimes you read these rules and you think, you know, this was obviously done by yeah, someone for whom English was not their first language. And <laughs> I wonder why they didn't bother to pay a, a translator to have a look at it. But, yeah, um, yeah it can, they can be... Um, 
quite well written so that every every word has a meaning. I found that with some flat packs as well. <laughs> and I, I guess one of the things that uh, I like then is that in our new modern society, when you come across one of those games and it, the, the rules just don't make sense, what do you do? You immediately go to uh, Board Game Geek and jump on the forums and find out what other people are saying. And it's such a, a richness that we have so many people who can bring their experiences of playing the game to bear and say, oh, well, actually, I think it means this. So I think we've discovered one of my favourite things, a paradox. The harder it is to communicate or understand, the more focused we have to become to be able to see where the meaning lies. Yeah, yeah, that's a great paradox. And I, I like paradoxes too. I think for me, the other... I don't know if it's a paradox, but it's at least a tension is in this sort of balancing uh, unity and diversity. How can we be one and be communicating and together uh, and, and going forward, but also how do we recognise the richness of diversity? And I couldn't help thinking as I was watching this uh, particular episode uh, that it was only when you had all the different cultures interacting uh, that they were able to actually come uh, to the the point of of solving the mystery. You you needed uh, people like uh, Odo, um, you know, who was able to continue on because he he wasn't affected by the virus, and you needed the Ferengi um, quark to to be part of it. You needed uh, the Bajorans and uh, the Bajoran doctor, whose name I, I forget at, at the end. Uh, all of that was required in order to solve the mystery. If you hadn't had any one of those different aspects of diversity, uh, that, that all, of, all would have been doomed. And it did become quite dangerous at the end with the fear that came from this inability to communicate with the captain attempting to take off without um, dislodging properly because he became afraid of being caught in the quarantine. Um, yep. And then we have that hilarious moment at the end where it is Quark at Ops running the entire space station. <laughs> Welcome back. I could use some help up here. Quark, what are you doing in Ops? <gasps> Fantastic. Nothing like uh, having a Ferengi in charge of your space station, is there? Especially considering so far in the first five episodes, we've really had this, uh, we've really put a lot of attention on Quark being uh, unscrupulous. Um, and uh, I think at one stage in this episode, um, he's um, uh, in the infirmary um, seeming to speak gibberish himself, and the commander says to him, oh, I can, I'm glad to see that you're not uh, immune to this. Um, and he says, oh, no, I haven't been affected. I'm just trying to make sure I don't uh, have anybody run out and not pay their bill. Yes, it's fascinating, isn't it? So, I mean, there's there's that interplay with uh, Quark as being sort of, you know, the prototypical capitalist interested in nothing but uh, greed and self-interest. And yet, right from the very first uh, episode, Emissary, um, you know, uh, Cisco is able to see that this is an important person in the community and, and actually um, cons uh, Quark into staying by uh, locking up his nephew. Um, so Cisco sees that there's actually more to Quark than just uh, someone greedy grabbing for their own stuff. And, and I really enjoy over the whole course of uh, Deep Space Nine seeing the ways in which that um, 
side of Quark that, that is about connecting with others and about the common good actually comes to the fore every now and then. And, and generally, Quark's best seems to come to the fore when the chips are really down and it's really important that he does do the right thing. And, and so often he does. So I, I like that. Yeah, it's interesting in this one, though, that uh, Quark seems to be the typhoid Mary in this instance. He's the one that they have to kind of track down and say, oh, how is it spreading from one part to another? True, because Quark was uh, using a, uh, a replicator he wasn't meant to be using and, uh, and serving the food in the bar. Yeah, that's right. No, that's good. Um, well, there's lots of really interesting things to explore in there. Uh, and uh, I, don't, I wanted to ask you, Lindsay, have you been following the um, Star Trek Picard release as it's been coming out? I have. I've been really enjoying uh, Picard. I think it's uh, quite a different uh, take. It's much more uh, slow-paced and meditative and, and really in keeping with, you know, being a, a, an 80-year-old man or, or whatever age uh, yeah, Picard yeah. is. And, so, um, yes, I've, I've enjoyed it very much. What um, came out this week, and it, it fits with our discussion of Quark now, is a shout-out to Quark in uh, this week's episode. Um, so um, in this week's episode, uh, one of the um, cast is actually getting a reference, and um, one of their referees is uh, Mr. Quark from Ferengana. Um It's a bit of an yes. Easter egg. It happens very quickly. But uh, nice to hear that, uh, that Quark's still around and operating out there. Yep, yep. There's been a few wonderful little Easter eggs and, of course, a, a slightly larger one in uh, Seven of Nine coming on board for a couple of episodes. That was uh, a lot of fun. That's right. Uh, just, if I could, coming back to the um, the Babel uh, for, a, for a moment, yep. uh, one of the things that I was thinking about also is that often in Christian theology, the idea of Pentecost is seen as a sort of a mirror or as a bookend to Babel, that yeah. you know, the, the story in Babel is is of languages being confused, uh, but then in Pentecost uh, the, the people understand one another's languages. And I, I was reflecting on that and thinking even there there's that interesting tension of unity and diversity because it's not that they all suddenly begin to speak the same language as is described at the start of the Babel myth, uh, but instead that they understand one another's different languages. And so again, it's that sense of the diversity is important and is a gift, uh, provided we find the ways to bridge that communication between our diversity. And that is um, a bit like a reverse aphasia, isn't it? Uh, suddenly they can understand each other regardless of what words might be coming out of their mouths. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and I love that. I love that picture. And it, it reminded me of a uh, lecture I heard once from a lady who I think was the United Church of Canada um, uh, person. And um, she was talking about how often... Uh, in those branches of the Christian church that have a particular connection to ecumenism, that we see that as a way of repairing sin. In other words, that, you know, we've broken apart because of sin and ecumenism is putting everyone back together. Yep. But she was actually saying a different way of thinking about it is to say that the differences are actually like the facets of the diamond, and you need all those facets to get the beauty of the diamond. 
but it all has to be part of the one diamond and brought together in a, in a way where there's a pattern and an arrangement that brings out the beauty. And, and, and so I love that idea that diversity is not a result of sin. It's actually a, a, reflection, a reflection of the richness of God. That's a fabulous image. I mean, I was as you were talking about that, then I was thinking about other things that do that, like um, mosaics and um, um, and collages, um, where where multiple images are brought together to make one image. Um, and depending on how close you were standing, depends on how much of each parts of the image you might see. Yeah, yeah, of course, beautiful. Or, or stained glass windows, you know, where you need all those little different bits with the different colours to bring the the complexity and the beauty out. Yeah, no, fabulous. There's so much in this. One episode. of the things I love about Star Trek, actually, yeah, uh, you know that 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 sense of of the diversity of the of the uh, infinite diversity in infinite combinations. To quote the Vulcans, I was just trying to remember the Vulcan quote, and um, and you brought it out, <laughs> which is good. Um, so, and science fiction deals with this this communication thing um, regularly. Um, so, in Star Trek, they deal with it with the universal translator. Um, mm -hmm. a, a piece of technology that um, is used constantly, but um, is is um, not very well understood. I mean, I don't quite understand how it works. Um, but uh, you know, uh, Douglas Adams deals with it um, in his books um, using the the yes, Babel fish, the Babel fish, uh, and, yeah, an yeah. organism that climbs into the ear and actually does the translating for us. So there's there is this some um, sense that science fiction or the future. Um, requires us to be able to have uh, technological or magical means of being able to understand each other. Well, and I have to say that, you know, I, I, I look at Google Translate and I find that quite magical sometimes, you know, not only does it translate from one language to another, but as you type it in, it will say, I'm sensing that this is English or whatever it might be. And I think, wow, that's that's pretty incredible. When When I've got that... Uh, stuck in a little uh, a little chip in my head and it goes straight to my ears that that'll be perfect yeah um, as well as long as uh, no one has the ability to place their interpretation on those translations um, so that uh, things can can shift I mean we know from biblical translations um, that a, a verse can be changed significantly from the one root word to to another word um, because of uh, cultural or, or uh, time interpretation. Yep, yep. And and when I'm teaching uh, <laughs> people to sort of uh, read and, and think about the Bible, one of the things I often say is read the passage in multiple different translations so that you hear uh, the, the different ways that people uh, do that work. And, and again, it, it seems to me it's that beauty of diversity that, that as we come then to human beings, we need to hear the diverse stories and interpretations of life that come from our different cultures and backgrounds and languages, because that actually gives us the capacity to, to see past one individual interpretation to what the deeper underlying thing might be. I guess that um, idea of um looking at different sources brings us back to the the problem of trolling and flaming that we find sometimes in our social medias as well that we'll often read one article uh one perspective and maybe click very quickly and respond very quickly on an opinion piece 
um, when yep. in fact what we really need to be doing is actually looking at a number of different sources to see if we can work out what context that comes from and how that can so there's a there's a kind of a, a hermeneutic going on there um, to use a big fancy word um, that actually calls us to say well what's behind the text and what you know how who's writing it and why are they writing it for yes yes uh, and I mean I couldn't help but when you were talking about trolls and flame wars and whatnot I, I was just noticing right in front of me on my screen O'Brien's words from this episode simple hesitation how often do we actually stop before immediately responding back and and do that work of thinking and taking time uh, and uh, the, the other phrase in front of me was from the uh, next generation Darmok. one of the other phrases they used was Sokath his eyes open so you know it's about having the the hesitation and opening your eyes isn't it yeah just taking a moment to actually say what's so so when that's that's the other side of that paradox i guess um when things seem simple and obvious to us we may not test them uh or double check them as much as it is when um we have to work uh harder to understand what's being written mm, mm. which is why it's so great to live in a multicultural society and and for uh, the Uniting Church that I work in, a uh, church that is very deliberately striving to be an intercultural church because it, it means you've got to do that work. It's not just about making people um, welcome and dealing with othering, but there could actually be uh, a significant learning for us about um, seeing the world more broadly because of the extra effort we have to put in to engage cross-culturally. Absolutely. Um, do you think maybe too that when Jesus was talking about parables um, and saying that they were there to confuse the wise, um, that, that there may be some element of that in the idea of a parable as well? Oh, I like that. Yes, very much so. I, I guess my own take on it is that um, parables are designed to make us wrestle with something. It doesn't hand it to you in a in a simple way and i think often we we do parables a disservice by imagining that they're somehow like a children's story designed to dumb things down when actually they're like the best children's stories uh, designed to give us something that we can keep digging into and never quite get to the bottom of uh, it's fabulous. Uh, look, it's been an absolutely rich conversation today around communication and culture and language. Um, so much out of this episode, uh, and I'm 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 really um, pleased we've been able to have it. Do you have any final thoughts as we come to the end of our time that you uh, that we haven't covered that you really wanted to make sure that we picked up during this episode? No, I don't think so, Will. I think I think we've actually covered most of the stuff that I thought was uh, really important. You know, I think if I was going to finish with a bang, it would have to be flame the dark, true salt way. That, that sounds kind of like a, a Christian motto, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> Call I wonder, to the true salt way. Maybe there is a greater truth in the in the aphasic uh, murmurings of the ill in the episode of Bad Babel than we uh, give it credit for. Absolutely. Great. Well, look, um, if you're um, following us then um, you've got comments, if there are things that you've set, you've heard that you want to uh, share with us, then please go to the oddrev.com um, uh, webpage uh, or uh, see us on Twitter. 
um, on oddrev uh, with the hashtag deepfaith9 uh, or you can also send a message to facebook um, never odd or even uh, and we'll get your messages there but thanks for joining us again and thank you again Lindsay, for joining me for this conversation of deep faith nine it's been my pleasure will thanks so much for the invitation i've loved being part of it we'll definitely get you on again uh, soon i'll catch you later bye until next time i've been will nicholas your odd rev and you have been listening to the deep faith nine podcast for never odd or even Connor, can you call Frankie? Or even.